We're going to do stock market and the economy. We have Nancy Tangler, CEO and Chief Investment Officer of Laffer Tangler Investments, which has a five-star Morningstar rating, and David Bonson, founder and managing partner of the Bonson Group and author of There's No Free Lunch, 250 Economic Truths. So welcome, kids. I'm looking for some economic truths here. We are, uh, let's see, the stock market was down slightly this past week. Not much, down slightly. The S&P year-to-date is down about 19%. Interestingly, um, short-term rates went up. The Treasury three-month T-bill went up 40 basis points, probably getting ready for some Fed tightening. But uh, market rates continue to fall. The 10 years down to 292, well below the inflation rate. Crude oil was down. Gasoline was down. And so we'll have to... One thing, I got one for you right now, David Bonson. Um, the euro is now one-to-one to the dollar. One-to-one. <laughs> one. What does that mean? Is that important? I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think it does speak to the dollar of liquidity shortage that is taking place around the world and how the Fed basically has total control over the euro right now because the ECB cannot and will not tighten to the degree we are. And because of the euro being this mutual block of countries that have a common monetary policy but separate fiscal policies, they're just stuck. They are at the mercy of Jerome Powell. And people keep talking about so many things are like the 1970s. Well, the euro is now like, uh, what, it was in 2001, I think, was the last time we had this parody. Yeah, it's really something, one-to-one. And the other thing is, uh, Nancy Tangler, the yen has fallen all the way to 138.5 yen to the dollar, which is really quite remarkable. So we do have king dollar. Uh, I'm not sure what that means. Um, That's probably putting some downward pressure on commodities, maybe longer-term interest rates. I don't know. What do you make of it? Yeah, I think you're right, Larry. I mean, I think the Japanese are going to hold out and and – do their very best to not raise rates. Uh, don't ask me why. Um, but if you look at in the commodity prices, I was looking at them just before I came on, and everything except for coal, by the way, which is up, futures are up 333%. Everything's down for the year. Uh, copper's down 28, lumber's down 58, nickel, wheat, all down. And I think it's also keeping us, uh, it's, it's putting some downward pressure on inflation because. We're importing goods, obviously, at cheaper prices, but it's going to wreak havoc if it stays this this elevated with the multinationals. I'm just going to point out one more thing that just struck me. Um, Of all the developed markets, the United States has the highest level of inflation, except for Spain, which is at 10.2%. Our friends in France who use nuclear power, rely very heavily on nuclear power, their inflation rate is only 5.9%. So for me, everything comes back to energy. Uh, if, if we could, if, if President Biden did indeed do everything he could instead of canceling all the leases and auctions, um, we, we would be in much better shape. Yes, we would. Well, maybe the Supreme Court is going to help us on that. Yeah, I'm looking. Helps. I want. I'm looking. I don't. I don't oh yeah, in, import prices are only up two tenths in June. Right. So that's the lowest reading in a while, uh, undoubtedly because of the dollar. And the year-to-year change is 10.7, which is a big number, but it's actually been coming down gradually uh, 
in recent months. So that's good. So what is the um, what is the stock market outlook, David Bonson? What do you make of all this? Well, I think that um, the 650-point move up Friday sort of changed, that it was actually headed to be a pretty brutal week, and then it kind of just made back in one day most of those losses. But, look, I have said for some time, Larry, if the 10-year at 349 on June 14th, if that was the high, then you at least can get a base in the stock market to start stabilizing. Now, I think we're in for a couple of years of flat and choppy market. I don't think we're hitting 40,000 anytime soon uh, until you get supply side boost to the economy, tax reform, you know, all the good things that promote growth. But I cannot tell you how much I agree with what Nancy just said, that in- inflation is about energy, goods inflation, by the way, in the midst of a 9.1% CPI print, goods inflation was down for the fourth month in a row. This is energy, and this is going to enable us to isolate the problem with Joe Biden and actually prove that supply issues around energy are what are causing the headline inflation. And I think the stock market is going to see a really divergent result with energy doing well and certain things that are pricing power, like consumer staples doing well. But I don't see big tech coming back for quite some time. I thought... um... This is kind of a wild notion, but <clears throat> I thought when Joe Manchin canceled the tax hikes, the market went up 600 points. Absolutely. I think the, I think the market was rejoicing. You know, man, it's the, it's, it's the Joe Manchin market right now. I mean, and, and, and Biden is furious at Manchin. And I'm reading like the New York Times and the Washington Post, Nancy, and the gnashing of the teeth of Joe Manchin is, is just wonderful to watch. Wonderful to watch. It's, it's so funny you say that, Larry, because I, I, I watched the market, you know, on Friday, obviously, as David does. That's all we do. And um, I, I noticed that the move up as soon as the announcement was made, but all the pundits were saying it was retail sales numbers, which, by the way, on an app, you know, on a real basis were negative. Right. So I'm, I'm with you. And then I, I wrote a piece about it and then I watched your show and I was like, oh, so the, I'm not original in this, in this thinking. <laughs> well, it's just, <laughs> um, you know, look, Bonson's right. The supply side help would be terrific. We're not yeah. getting it, but at least we stopped the bad stuff. I mean, there was a very nasty set of tax increases in this Schumer, yeah. you know, whatever reconciliation thing. Well, and I'm trying to say nobody, nobody should be more against the idea of raising taxes even above, you know, 10 million of income than the three of us on this call. But I have <laughs> to say the biggest issue, and I agree with Nancy and you so much, and I am mortified that other pundits were not catching on to this yesterday. The biggest thing was this pass through businesses. This right. 3.8% tax on family businesses, on small businesses, LLCs, and the, the level at which that tax was kicking in was very low. And so I just think that that going away was a huge boost, and I cannot believe it didn't get more attention. You know what else was in there, incidentally? Um, they were going to cut back on loan loss provisions, which would have been decimating because – Small businesses are not doing well. They've been flat. Household employment is falling. Uh, th- that was the second piece that didn't get much publicity, but they would have uh, curtailed the amount of loan loss provisions that these small business pass-throughs could take 
But that's off the board now. And so is the minimum, the 15% minimum tax, Nancy, on corporations, because right. that was on book profits, not IRS profits. Right. It's it, it, it just mind-numbing how, how wrong-headed everything that's coming out of Washington is. I wrote a piece a year ago called Mr. Magoo's Washington, and, and I think that's how you describe it. These people sort of walk blithely along, creating destruction in their wake, and, <laughs> and they don't ever feel the result of it. And if you, if you just look at uh, the implications of everything that was in that bill, it was absolutely every wrong economic decision and policy decision that you, that you could make. And I, I don't understand what it's going to take, but I, I'm sending around an old video um, of Milton Friedman explaining inflation. Mm. And it's priceless. It's 13 minutes long. And, you know, it basically all comes back to what we've talked about so many times. It's always inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon. And we talked about Jeremy Siegel a year ago where he produced a report that showed inflation versus um, money supply. And it, the gap breached 150 years of data, like it was mm. the highest in 150 years. And his comment was, we're going to see 20 percent inflation. I, I don't know over what period of time, but we're going to see it. And he was right. And yeah. he got I, I talked about it, got a lot of pushback. He 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 was right. And this is what we're seeing. Nancy, will you send that to me so I can look at that? Yes, too? I will. David, I will before indeed. we take a break um, regarding goods inflation, uh, which is coming down. But services inflation seems to be coming up. I'm looking at uh, yeah. Three, the last three months, this is from the CPI, services up 9.9 annually, the last 12 months, 6.2. And then services X energy uh, up 8.5 for the three months and 5.5 for the 12 months. So is that the next problem that's going to come? Well, no, it's a lagging indicator. And so much of that, I parsed this out on Thursday in my daily market commentary, the dctoday.com. This owner's equivalent rent is such a big component of services, and it's three or four months behind. And so anybody looking at housing knows that it was just in a bubble level of inflation several months back and has drastically slowed down. The month of May, it may have been the first month in two years that apartment rents were actually down, but that isn't in the data yet. So I think services is just playing catch up, but it is still a problem and it's going to stay high. It's just that goods inflation because because of car prices and things like that is a little ahead. So I do expect some disinflation going forward, but um, I think that the issue you referred to has to do with the way they measure rent and housing in the services metric. Nancy, what's um, we got to take a break, but bef- just give me a minute on your inflation outlook, please. Oh, I, I mean, I think. Listen, it's going to be with us for a long time. I, I, I think we see four to five percent for the next couple of years, mm. be, be, because the sticky components are so long in in um, changing. You know, t- t- rents are not going to come back down, wages are not going to come back down, so the, the headline numbers will come down. But it, the embedded inflation is going to stay with us, which is why I think you want to own stocks eventually yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, as an offset, and particularly the dividend growers that are growing their dividends faster than the rate of inflation. But th- this was an epic failure of Fed policy and, and, and fiscal policy, uh, and we're going to pay the price for a long time. I've got some breaking news here on the Fox uh, Business website. Um, SpaceX founder Elon Musk 
said humans are two to three decades away from the first human landing on Mars. Quote, Mars may be a fixer-upper of a planet, but it has great potential, the billionaire wrote. <laughs> Love the guy. <laughs> David, do you think Mars is the fixer-upper of a planet? <laughs> Well, I have a really, really hard time properly looking at Earth and and, 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 and getting my arms around New York City and California. This is great. It's a fixer-upper of a planet. I, I love the guy. I truly love the guy. Um, so, David Bonson, I'll go to you because I don't think you are going to agree with this one. But we had um, Robert Heller, who was a former Federal Reserve governor, Reagan appointee. He told us... Um, uh, a couple of segments ago that the Fed should raise the Fed funds rate by 150 basis points um, when they meet in July. What's your take on that? 150. Well, part of my uh, answer is that it's somewhat nonproductive to talk about the stuff that we just know is not going to happen. It's, just not, it's not on the table. It will not happen. Um, however, that's the first I've the heard about that. the 70. 70- yeah, but you know, you know, the 75 versus 100, by the way, the last time the Fed truly surprised markets, like really surprised markets, 1994. So it's been a, it's been a little while, but I think that the, um, that the 75 to 100 debate is kind of inconsequential if they're going to end up stopping at the same place anyways, and they are. And I don't know what that number is, and I don't know when it comes. But I think that there's some number at which they just plain stop, and it will still result in a negative real rate. Um, and so I don't believe that there's this Volcker-like creature coming out of, of uh, Chairman Powell. But the other thing I'd say goes back to Nancy's point earlier about energy. The Fed funds rate is irrelevant to energy prices. This is national energy policy on the supply side. It is production problems. It is ESG. It is a Marxian anti-fossil fuel narrative. It is Biden not standing up to extremists in his own party. That is what we have to focus on. The Fed funds rate needs to be normalized because it's absurd to distort financial markets this much. But it is not the primary cause of our inflation. And it isn't even the primary cause of the higher money supply. Um, So ultimately, I think the Fed funds rate is what markets are looking at short term. But bigger term inflation, it's energy. But Nancy, um, can these markets bond markets uh, continue with negative real rates? No. <laughs> yeah. Summary, no. Um, I mean, I, I'm with, I, I would love to see 100 base points. I, I, I don't know how I can like David so much and disagree with him on, on something, but I, I think that the more front-end loaded these hikes are, the better it, would, it will be for bringing inflation down. I kind of like Jeffrey Goonlock. Uh, suggesting that they just raise 400 basis points all at once. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, see, I'm in your camp on that just because um, I, I, th- I think eventually real rates have to turn positive. Um, so yeah. why not get it done sooner rather than later? Right. I, 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 I agree. And I think I, I've been using a lot of war analogies in my writing. Um, my latest was a modern day uh, bunker battle of Bunker Hill. I mean, the Fed stared inflation, the, you know, the whites of inflation's eyes. They were they looked right into them, and instead of making a shot, they stayed nose to nose for nine months too long. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so the, the the way that they have dallied in terms of, you know, reducing the balance sheet and the first hike was 25 and taking 75 off the table, but then raising 75. I mean, th- this is a rudderless crew. And I, I think that the more aggressive they get, the sooner, the more relief that will bring to the stock market. And um, I mean, we've got an inverted yield curve. So I, I think we can all kind of agree that that's one of the most reliable indicators of of recession. And what's so interesting to me is we actually got one in August of 2019. Mm. And, and of course, no one knew what was going to you know, drive the, the recession in 2020, but there it was. Mm. So I think we have to pay attention to that. And um, the sooner the Fed gets the work done, the better. Didn't your kids go to the Naval Academy? Yes, 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 yes. That's, the, I that's, my, that's where the war analogy is coming from. <laughs> well, my son just dropped off his 150-pound Great Dane for a year because he's getting deployed. Um, oh. So oh. I, I just say, why not get married? Well, God and then I don't, <laughs> I don't have the dog for a year. God bless but, yeah. you. God bless you. David Bonson, what are you buying? What are you investing in? Well, I want to be very selective, and I love coming on air with Nancy because she promotes my book for me, The Dividend Growth. It's mm. exactly what we do. Yep. What we believe in, um, we don't just view it as tactical right now. We're permanent dividend growth investors for a lot of reasons, but I totally agree with her. Um, whether one believes rates are going higher or not, um, people need cash flow. We are in a low rate environment historically, and even if it goes higher, we're not going back to those rates that people used to like on the bond side. And and you don't want fixed rates when you have inflation. You want growing income so we want to be selective in energy, industrials, consumer staples, areas where there are good dividend growers. And by the way, I think the financials have gotten pretty cheap. They have definitely priced in recession. And so there's certain dividend growing financials we like too, Larry. Nancy, what are you looking at? Um, we're dividend investors too uh, and and have been since the mid-1980s. So what, what we're looking for are some of the, pla- the places that have really gotten hit with great management teams. So Target is a name we've been adding to, 20% dividend gro- uh, growth announcement. EOG Resources has paid $5.80 in special dividends over the last year and doubled their regular dividend and have generated positive returns. So, and the weakness we've been adding to that in energy names. And, and unlike, David, we do like uh, technology. We think that's the sustainable productivity narrative. So some of the names that we uh, own and like have gotten beaten up, and so we've been adding at the edges in our growthier portfolios to to some of the cloud and cyber names. But in general, I think you want to be positioned in in names that are growing the dividend because that's telling you that management thinks earnings power is sustainable. All right, kids. Terrific stuff. Nancy Tangler and David Bonson. We appreciate it. 